Hey, well, my name is Marco Villalobos, and uh, I'm uh, one of the new outreach pastors here at Cape Christian. That's why you see this little pulpit right here with uh, bottles of water. We've given a lot of these cases out the, the past couple months. How many of you guys were here with us during all the hurricane that relief that we, we did? Come on, give yourselves a hand if you were a part of just showing up for that. I feel like it's an honor to have a pulpit of water bottles like this. Isn't this so cool? <laughs> well, guys, my name is Marco Villalobos, and uh, me and my wife, uh, we just, and our kids, we just moved out here five months ago from Nashville, Tennessee. If you look behind me, here's a, a picture of my family. There's uh, my son Judah, Leonidas Villalobos, there's Destiny Renee Villalobos, and there's my beautiful wife, Natalie, who's right here in the front row as well. I just want to honor her. She's amazing, and she's most, one of the most sweetest, kindest person that you, will know, uh, that you will meet, but she will also hold you accountable, which is why I think God placed her in my life, because God knew that I was going to need that. My son, he's seven years old. He loves everything, video games, Mario. He loves baseball. We're Dodger fans, and so if you look at my shirt, yeah. Oh, did I hear a couple of boos? Oh, Man, I grew up in Los Angeles, California, and this is actually at the Miami game um, in Miami at the Marlins. My daughter, she loves softball, and uh, she loves Pink Princess, and she's actually following the footsteps of her mother as a singer-songwriter, so she's starting to learn how to play instruments, and she just sings around the house all day, and I just love it. And my wife, like I mentioned, she's, uh, she's just an amazing worshiper. You know, ever since I've known her, since she's been 12 years old, she's been part of youth groups leading worship. And I always tell people, if there's one thing that she's good at, it's leading people into the presence of the Lord through worship. And so I'm a blessed man. Yes, that is my family right there. And uh, like I said, we just moved here about five months ago from Nashville, Tennessee. And before we jump into the message, I want to just share a little bit of, a, of my story and a little bit of my history so you guys understand the context of where I come from and, and uh, a little bit of the lens of, of, how, of, of, where, of, of where I'm coming from. So I, I was born in 1980, Los Angeles, California, the gang capital of the world, and I had a drug problem at an early age. My parents drugged me to church every Sunday. <laughs> yes. All right. So I was raised in the church. And, uh, you know, we were actually born in, in a not so safe area. And so when I was 12 years old, my, my father got a job in Las Vegas to provide a better life for us. So we all moved to Las Vegas, Nevada. And I'll never forget that um, looking for churches in Las Vegas and we never found one. And so, yeah, so we just slowly started just, uh, God was not the center of our life. And we all just started drifting where there was no prayer. There was no talks about God in our house. And it led to me going to middle school, high school, getting involved with drugs and drinking. I got into sports when I was in high school, played football, played quarterback and free safety. And, and we just partied. I remember getting high before football games. And my sophomore year, there was a cheerleader who invited the whole football team to go to church. And. And we all went. Some of us went for the girls, and some of us went to actually be serious. You guys probably guessed why well, I went. I went for the girls. Yes, I saw, you know, I wasn't on fire for the Lord there. And uh, I decided that, you know what, church wasn't for me. And so I ended up going down the same path of doing drugs, going to school high. And I ended up graduating high school, moving to California, uh, back to California, to Palm Springs to go to college. And it was my first time with no parents around college life. And so, 
If you can imagine college life, no parents around, partying, drinking. I made friends with the drug dealer out there who taught me about the drug game. And it took about 10 months before I realized that, you know what, this scene's getting a little crazy here. So we all split up because back then our phones, we felt like our phones were tapped. You know, we still had landlines back then, you know. So we were like, let's go back. Let's go back to our own city. So I went back to Las Vegas. I had a fake ID when I was 17 years old in Las Vegas, not living for God. So if you've ever been there, you could imagine the type of trouble I got into uh, out there doing adult things in Las Vegas. Now, fast forward to I'm 20 years old. I've been living this crazy life, hanging out with gangbangers and drug dealers, living that fast life in Las Vegas. And it felt like God, his hand came into my life, but it was almost like he let the enemy get super close to me as well. And I began to hear God in an audible voice, literally an audible voice saying, Marco, I'm watching you. And he would say, Marco, you need to get right with me soon. And it was almost the tone of a father who was speaking to his son like, boy, I told you to take out the trash. You better take out the trash or else. You guys know that voice where you know if you don't listen, there's going to be consequences. That was the tone. And I knew it was God because I grew up in the church as a kid. And the Bible says, you know, train a child in the way that he shall go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. And so during this time, I'm also being tormented. I mean, I'm having dreams every single night of me dying, me getting shot, stabbed. I mean, run over by trains. Like, I I mean, hung all kinds of crazy things because of the environment that I was in. And there was no one who was witnessing to me or telling me about Jesus. But I was hearing God in an audible voice. And so one day I realized, you know what, I, I, can't, I can't box with God. My arms are too short. <laughs> you know, I'm like, God, all right, I will give you a chance. If you would just save me, I don't even know how to get out of the situation that I'm in. But you know what, maybe I'll go to that church that I went to when I was in high school. And so I called my sister up, and we went to that church. And on the way to that church, I began to break down and cry. It was almost like the story of the prodigal son where I decided to run back home to the father and right there in the car, I began to just bawl. It was like all the hardness and that the the facade of having to be hard in a, in a hard culture and environment all, all of a sudden just broke. And I remember walking into the church that day and giving my life to Jesus and say, God, just take my life. And I remember walking out of that church service, feeling more confused because I was going back to the same environment and I, but the next morning, I woke up, and I began to think. I was like, man, last night I went to church, and I began to make a bunch of small steps, and I began to start calling the girls that I was talking to, saying, hey, I can't call you no more. I began to throw away all my drugs away. I began to throw away my CDs. Yes, we had CDs back then. Remember that? Yeah. So I was raised on the West Coast, so I love that West Coast gangster rap, that Tupac, that Snoop Dogg, that Dr. Dre music. That was, I was living that thug life, you know, and I threw away over 200 CDs, which remember, Best Buy, $15 a CD, that's a lot of money. I was like, God, I'm giving you my life. It's like, I'm throwing these CDs away and I was trying to let God know like I'm serious like take every part of me and then I'm going to every church service every men's group every youth group and someone invites me to go to this to this leadership college this bible college called master's commission they're like man you need to come to master's commission I'm like what's that it's a bible college I'm like okay they're like man you're an evangelist I'm like what's an evangelist like it's someone who talks about God I'm like well I guess I am because I want to tell people about Jesus you know And so, long story short, two weeks goes by, I end up moving out of my apartment, moving 
back home. My tuition is paid for, and I end up joining this Bible college. Yes. Here's the cool part is our, direct, our, our, our co-directors, guess who they were? They were Pastor Bobby and Cindy Grosso. How cool is that? How cool is that? And so they got to watch, they watched me get saved. And it's where I met my wife, Natalie. She went for, my, I went for four years. She went for two years. And pastors Bobby and Cindy were our directors for our last two years. And we traveled and we saw God do amazing things. And when that program ended, uh, we, we actually started our own uh, Christian hip-hop and R&B record label, me and my wife. And so she sang, she did R&B, worship music, and I rapped, and we were in Las Vegas, and we would do school assemblies and go to youth groups, festivals, concerts. We were doing about 60 to 70 events a year. And we would even get calls from the local police task force whenever there was gang shootings. And we would go out into the neighborhood and we would share our stories, share our testimonies. And we literally went to the most dangerous parts of Las Vegas and we saw crime decrease in those areas. And yes, isn't that awesome? And uh, actually, you guys want to hear my story in a little rap? You guys want to hear a little rap? Yeah? Okay, check this out. I'll give you a little taste of what we used to do back then. Let's see um, I didn't walk through the valley in the shadow of death with alcohol on my breath, high off that meth. I've waken up in the middle of the night with demons sitting on my chest when I was just dying for rest. I felt demonic forces invade my soul, causing me to dodge patrol because I was walking down that wrong road. I remember sprinkling coke up in my pipe bowl, blazing the weed slow so I could see the smoke blow. But I've seen the deaf hear, seen the blind see. Yeah, Satan's real, but God is more real to me. I've stepped out in faith. I've seen him split the sea. He died, rose, he went to hell. He snatched back the keys. Every time I was in need, he heard my plea. Now every time that we speak, the enemy flees. If you still think he's not real, come on, look at me. Because he's the reason why right now you're hearing my heart bleed. Come on. Man. And so I just love going out to the neighborhoods and sharing the gospel. We did that for three years. And then me and my wife felt a call to move to Nashville, Tennessee. And there was a creative arts school that was getting ready to start out there. And it was about, uh, about 50 young adults who were going, who would live there for about a year. And it was in a neighborhood that was smack dab between two different projects. And this neighborhood was called Hell's Half Acre. And it was called Hell's Half Acre because it was one of the most bloodiest battles in the Civil War. So at the time, we were living in Las Vegas, four-bedroom house, two jet skis, three cars, a pool, a full-blown studio. And we left everything except one car and our studio, and we moved to the projects in downtown Nashville. And we lived there, and we helped build an internship that is still running to this day. Every Friday night, they're going on Broadway, and they're worshiping right there on Broadway. And they're seeing people be getting healed and people being encouraged. And we got to be a part of this. And it's funny, when my, when my wife moved down there, she tried to order some pizza. And she called like five or six places no one would deliver. And she finally asked, like, ma'am, will you tell me someone that will deliver pizza here? And the response she got was, I hate to tell you this, but you live in no man's land. No one's going to deliver pizza where you live. 
that's where we lived. And at the time, it was danger. There was drug dealing, prostitution. Now you can go down there, and it's part of one of those Nashville tours because the city, that area has been changed for the glory of God. Yes. And so... We lived there for four years in, in that ministry, and then we ended up having kids. We transitioned to the church that we just moved here from, where my wife was the worship, uh, the worship pastor there, and I, um, I was the youth and young adult pastor for a couple years, and was the men's and outreach pastor there. And so that kind of brings us up to today, where here we are in Cape Coral, in Cape Christian, back with pastors Bobby and Cindy Grosso. How cool is that? I mean, only God could write that story. And so we're just so thankful to be here. I've known Pastor Corey for about maybe six or seven years because he's been connected with Master's Commission. And so we've known him for a while, and we are just so thankful to be here. And today I'm going to get ready to share a few stories with you guys um, just to kind of encourage and build up our faith. And so if you guys are taking notes today, the title of my message is Show Up and Say Yes. Say it with me. Say, show up. And say yes. One more time. When I say show up, you say and say yes. Ready? Show up and say yes. Show up and say yes. And I want to go back 20 years to when I was a a new believer. And I began to notice that, you you know what? This God is so, did you guys see that? Isn't that cool? Look at show up and say it. Give it up for our media team. Our media team is awesome. Come on. Yes. And so I've learned at an early age that, you know what, guess what? There's nothing special about Marco. Like, you know what? Like, there's, there was nothing special about me 20 years ago, last night, last year. But you, you, you know what? I've learned to show up and to say yes. And what I've noticed is that when we, when we take a step of faith, guess what God does? He meets us there every single time. And so I want to share some stories today that I think will encourage and build up our faith. And so when I first got saved... Our pastor was going through the book of Acts. And if you've never read the book of Acts, it is one of the most awesome books in the the New Testament. It it talks about the early church and all the miracles that happened that that, that God used the disciples to do. And when I say disciple, it's not just the 12 disciples, but we're all disciples. Disciple means to be a learner or to be a pupil or, or to be a student. And so when you start reading about the book of Acts, All right, Jesus, he's there, and we all know the story. He went to the cross. He died for all of mankind. He rose three days later, and now he comes back, and he's hanging with his disciples for 40 days. And here's how the conversation went, okay? He's like, all right, guys, check this out. All right, you see the, you see the holes in my hands, the holes in my feet? Yes, I, I came back to life. I am here. I am the Messiah. I am real, okay? But he goes, but check this out. It's better for me to leave than to stay here. It's better for me to go to heaven with my father. Why? Because I want to leave the gift of the Holy Spirit here with you. He says, if I don't go, you don't get the Holy Spirit. Now, see, Jesus was God in the flesh. And so Jesus could be with Peter in California, but he couldn't be with Paul in Florida at the same time because he was still human. But now with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can be with each and every one of us at the same time. It's called being omnipresent, meaning God can be everywhere at the same time. 
And so Jesus is saying right here, it's better for me to, me to leave so that you could have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now in Acts 1.8, here's where it says, and he says, when, when the gift of the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now see that word power in the Greek, the New Testament's written in the Greek, it means dunamis. Say dunamis. And that means explosive power. It's where we get the word dynamite. Now, it's like an explosive power that is being deposited into some type of container or a vessel or a receptacle. Now, this type of power means that there must be a receiver to receive this power. All right? And that's where we come into. You see, God is the giver of his power, and we are his receptacles. We are his containers. We are his vessels. It's almost like this bottle of water right here. It's empty, but this bottle of water is meant to hold water. And when we pour water, then this bottle of water can live out its purpose, which is to hold water. It's the same with us. When the Holy Spirit comes and fills us and fills us with, fills our vessel, we can go out and live the way that God has called us to live. Does that make sense? And so I learned, so when I heard that, you know, coming from an environment that was all about money, power, respect, I'm like, I want that power. I want the power of the Holy Spirit. And so um, there was some teenagers at our church that were like 16, 17 years old. You know what they were doing? They were praying for their peers in their high school, and students were getting healed in public high schools. People were encountering the presence of God. And I remember thinking, I want that same power. God, fill me up with your power. And so God wants to demonstrate his power through us. First Corinthians says this, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. The Apostle Paul wrote that. What is he saying? He's like, you know what? I could tell you about Jesus all I want, but really what's going to change your life is an encounter with the living God. And so I want to share a story the first time I saw something like this happen. So remember, I'm in this master's commission. I was only saved for about a month, and we're going to our first mission trip in Washington State, in Walla Walla, Washington. I will never forget it. Has anyone ever been to Walla Walla, Washington? No? There's always one. Yes, yeah, see, there's always one person who's been to Walla Walla, Washington. Yes. And so if you've been there, you know what Walla Walla, Washington is like. And so... We're going to a skate park. We're getting ready to invite people to church that night. And I'm talking to someone and I'm just kind of sharing my testimony at the skate park. And um, I was like, hey, uh, you know what? Do you want to give your life to Jesus? And he says, yeah. And I was like, you do? He was like, yeah. I was like, all right, well, let's pray. And then I realized, wait, I don't know how to pray. <laughs> I'm like, the only time I prayed was five minutes in the morning when I prayed for my food and thank God for my day, and that was it. And I just asked him if he wants to give his life to the Lord. So I try to remember that, you know, that good old sinner's prayer, you know. And, and so I was like, all right, repeat this prayer after me, and had no idea what I was doing. And I said, uh, all right, God, forgive me. I believe in you, and I'll live for you for the rest of my life. Amen. And he says, amen. And, and so then I asked him, I was like, man, so how do you feel? And he was like, I feel good. 
I was like, you do? He's like, yeah. I was like, come on. I was like, do you know all of, all of heaven is having a party right now? He's like, what? What do you mean? I said, the Bible says that whenever someone gives their life to God, that all of heaven rejoices, and his face just lit up. He was like, really? That's awesome. I was like, yeah, it is. And I, I, I was so hyped. I was so pumped up. And I was like, man, do you see those kids over there? He's like, yeah. I was like, let's go tell them about Jesus. And he was like, let's go. So we walk across the park. My chest is out. I'm like, I got my first disciple over here. You know, we're walking across the park. And, you know, you know I'm going to put this prop on right here for this little part of the story because we're at a skate park. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. There we go. That's a little better. That's a little better. So then I start talking to this guy. This guy's like, hey, my name's Tony. I'm like, hey, my name's Marco. We're here from Las Vegas. You know, God changed my life, set me free from drugs and all these other things. And, and he begins to ask me questions. And he says, oh, yeah, if God's real, then why are people born because they're raped? If God's real, then why are there starving kids in Africa? If God's real, he starts asking me all these hard questions. And remember, I'm just freshly saved. I don't know anything. I hadn't taken my apologetics class yet. <laughs> all right, so I didn't learn how to defend my faith. And so luckily, one of my friends comes up, and he's like, hey, Marco, how's it going? I'm like, good, now that you're here. Hey, my friend here has some questions for you. And uh, he begins to answer the questions, you know, like, man, you know what? We live in a world that's full of sin. It's a fallen world, and begins to answer all the questions. And then he says, you know what? Why don't we do this? He's like, why don't you let us pray for you? And if you feel the presence of God, you'll know he's real. And if not, you can go on believing the way that you want to. And he says, all right, cool. He's like, I'll do that. Let me go. I, I, I got to go run an errand really quick, and I'll be right back. And we say, okay, cool. Well, five minutes goes by and nothing. Ten minutes goes by, and we're like, man, this guy is not coming back. Fifteen minutes goes by, and he starts walking back with seven of his friends. And I'm like, oh, dang, it's about to go down. <laughs> And so I'm like, where's the popcorn? Because I'm just going to sit and watch this. I'm glad my friend's here, you know? And so my friend, he begins to organize everything. He's like, all right, everyone get in a circle. Tony, I want you to stand in the middle right here. All right, I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer. Just repeat after me. All right, are you guys ready? And he begins to, he says, close your eyes, repeat after me. He says the whole prayer, and I'm sitting here praying, and I begin to peek, you know, looking at Tony to see what's happening. And his eyes are wide open, and he's not saying the prayer. And I'm thinking, this is not going good. And so my friend finishes. He says, all right, amen. I'm like, amen. I'm like, what's next? You know, and he looks at me. He says, Marco, I want you to pray for him. And I was like, wait, what? I'm, like, I'm, I'm trying to be subtle, like, no, like, I don't want to, like, he's like, Marco, you want to be used by God, right? And I said, yes. He's like, and then I want you to pray for him. Now, remember, I'm freshly saved. I don't even know how to pray. You know, when you first give your life to God, you're afraid to pray in front of people because you're afraid you might mess up or you might pray wrong or you might cuss or something. That's where I'm at. I'm like, no, you don't want me to pray. He's like, Marco, pray. All right. So I, began, I, I look at Tony, and I'm like, all right, God. I'm like, Tony, I'm going to pray for you and place my hand on your head and ask for the Holy Spirit to come and fill you. Are you ready? And he nods his head. I'm like, all right. I got a reaction. All right. And I say, God, I just pray right now for Tony from the top of his head that, to the bottom of his feet that you would fill him with your Holy Spirit. Touch him now. And I'm reaching, and I'm reaching. I, I don't feel anything. I open my eyes, and he's on the ground. My friend Tony 
Um, my friend who's next to me goes to Tony and begins to pray for him. He's like, Lord, thank you so much for filling Tony up. Thank you for touching him. And I'm standing here like, what is going on? And I'm looking at my friend praying for Tony, and I look at his friends, and his friends are looking at me like, what did you do to my friend? And I look at my hands, and I look at his friends. I'm like, who else wants a prayer? <laughs> I'm like, what did God just do? And man, and so we start praying for Tony. God, thank you so much for filling Tony with your Holy Spirit. And a couple of minutes goes by, and we start to back up and just kind of give him some space. And he's sitting there, and he's wiping his eyes because he's just feeling the presence of God. And he sits up, and my friend asks him, he's like, Tony, why don't you tell us, like, what's happening? And he says, all I can say is that God has taken away all the pain. And he had a spiked necklace on just like this around his neck, and he rips it off. And he had a spiked bracelet just like this, and he rips it off in front of his friends, in front of us, and he walks over to the trash and he throws it away. Right there. Isn't that crazy? And, you know, we say thank you for letting us pray for you. We go our separate ways. Why do I share that story with you guys? Because it's, it's totally crazy and it's totally weird and it's totally awesome and it totally happened. But sometimes all we have to do sometimes is just to show up and say yes. There was nothing about us that, that you know, it, it should have happened except some people going out saying, God, I want you to use us as we go out to the skate park and we pray for people. And that day, Tony was a different man. God had ripped away the pain from his heart. You might say, well, why did he fall down? You know, sometimes the presence of God is so strong. It talks about God's glory being the kabod, and sometimes it's just hard to stand where we have to kneel sometimes. And so he felt the weighty presence of God. Back to 1 Corinthians 2.4, my message and preaching, they're not with wise or persuasive words, but with demonstration of the Spirit's power. Why? So that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. You know, I think a lot of times we disqualify ourselves. We say we can't do it because maybe we're an introvert or maybe we're an extrovert or we don't know the Bible enough or we, we don't pray good or whatever it is. I'm not a good speaker. I'll never forget our second trip in Master's Commission. I was saved for about maybe a month and a half and we were getting ready to travel and they asked me to share my testimony now, believe it or not, I was the student in high school who would take an F instead of speaking in front of the class. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Look at me now. Isn't, isn't that crazy? That's God. That is the Lord. And I'll never forget being in a, in, in, a, in, a, in a little prayer gathering. We used to start off every day with an hour of prayer, and I was so nervous and scared. Like, God, there's no way I'm talking in front of people. You know, it reminds me of Moses. Moses was like, you know, I have a stuttering problem. There's no way I'm going to lead your people out of, out of Israel because I have a stuttering problem. And here's what I learned is God will never ask us to do something that he will not help us with. Let me say that again. God will never ask us to do anything that he will not help us with. And that's how you know it's God. Whenever I get ready to speak, I, I quote this scripture because within about, we were in a prayer time, and within 10 minutes, two people came up to me sharing this scripture. It was Jeremiah 1, 5 through 8. Here's what it says. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. 
Alas, the Lord said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, I do not, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. So I'm in this prayer gathering. Two people shared that within 10 minutes. About five minutes after that, someone comes up to me with a Bible and says, hey, I just wanted to share this scripture with you. And I said, don't tell me it's Jeremiah 1, 5 through, through 9. He's like, yes, how did you know? I was like, because two other people just shared it. And he was like, that's confirmation. I'm like, what's confirmation? You know, he's like, it's when God wants to confirm something multiple times through his people to tell you he's doing something. I was like, yes, that's confirmation. So now whenever I speak, I, I quote that scripture. Guess what, God? I don't have to be concerned about what to say. You, you tell me where to go, and I will say what you want me to say, and I will believe that you will put your words in my mouth. And so we're getting ready, I'm getting ready to share this testimony on an on a outreach. But before we go out of town, I decided to go back to my old apartment, to my old roommate. And his name is Lex. He's one of my best friends. And I think we have a picture of him, of me and him. Here's, look at this. This is 19-year-old this is Marco right here. All right, with my good old MGD right there. All right, some of you guys spotted that right away. <laughs> All right, and that's Lex right there. Always been a Raiders fan, you know. It's been a rough year for us. Um, but I, I decided to go back to my friend's house, Lex, and, uh, and I, 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 I just want to give him updates on what God's been doing on my life. And so I walk into the apartment, and Lex is there. This guy named Jesus is there, and a girl's there, which is funny because six months before I gave my life to God, God brought two new friends into my life. Their names were Angel and Jesus. Isn't that funny how God works? And so Jesus was there. Isn't that funny? And so um, I begin to tell everything that God's been doing in my life. And my friend Lex starts asking me questions like, what, so you don't do drugs no more? I'm like, no. He's like, you don't drink no more? Didn't Jesus turn water into wine? You know, I'm like, no. He says, you know, not to be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's like, what about girls? You're not, you're not sleeping around with no girls? You don't like girls no more? I'm like, whoa, slow down. Yes, I do like girls, but I'm waiting to be intimate with the one that I'm going to marry. You know, and he's like, man, so you're really serious about this. I was like, yes, I am. And then Jesus is sitting there nice and quiet on the couch. And he was one of those friends that was always quiet. You never knew if he was like plotting something, you know, a little shady. You guys know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, he begins to say something. He's like, he's Mexican, bald head. He's like, all right, Holmes, I got a question for you. And I was like, yeah, what's up? He's like, why don't you tell me this? I said, he's like, where did God come from? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, like, who made God? And I just spoke the answer that I knew. Well, just God's the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. And he did not like that answer. He got up and was like, no, F that and F you and F your God. You need to get the heck out of here. And he's using different words, you know, and it began to get really intense. He's like, man, you need to get out of here. And the girl's like, yeah, how can God be the beginning and the end? And my friend Lex is like, yeah, that makes no sense. And Jesus is walking towards me. And he's like, yeah, you need to get out of here right now with that BS. And I'm, and I'm walking back and I'm just thinking, like, what do I do? You know, there's, there's drugs around, there's guns on the table, and I'm sitting here like, do I, do I just run out this door? 
You know, but I've been declaring that scripture that, you, you know what, don't be afraid of who to, who, of what to say. Go to whoever I command you, knowing that God will put his words in my mouth. Remember that scripture? And at this time, I was not thinking about that scripture. I was thinking about running out that door, like, am I about to be a martyr for Jesus? All right? And so, but check this out. The one thing that popped in my head was I had a mentor who was pouring into my life. And he told me this phrase. He said, Marco, you know what? One day God's presence is going to be so strong around you that people are going to start breaking down crying. And I don't know why, but at this very second, in the chaos, in this intense room, that was the only thing that I can think of. And so this boldness rose up, and I took a step forward, and I said, you know what? I can't explain it. God, he's the beginning. He's the end. He's the alpha, and he's the omega. And all I know is that someone told me that God's presence was going to be so strong around me one day that people are going to start breaking down crying. And as soon as I said that, it was like the air left the room, and the room got quiet. And I look at Jesus, and he turns his head to the right. And I look at my friend Lex, and he turns his head to the right. And so I turn my head, and the girl is sitting there, and she just starts breaking down crying. And I, I'm sitting here like, what is happening? It was like God just shut the mouths of the lions. And I walk over to this girl, and I say, hey, God is real. He's the beginning, and he's the end. And he will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. Yes. Why do I share that story? Because I had no, remember, I only saved for two months. I have no idea what I'm doing. It had nothing to do with me. It was showing up to my friend's house, just being moved by compassion like Jesus was. He was always moved with compassion whenever he did a miracle. I just wanted to reach my friends. You know, 20 years later, my friend Lex, he gave his life to Jesus. Yeah, isn't that awesome? That guy Jesus, he gave his life to Jesus years later. I don't know what happened to that girl, but isn't that awesome how God works like that? And you know what? I want to close with this story. You know, our, our pastor in Nashville who, was, who lived in that place called Hell's Half Acre, he still, he still has a church right down there in, in between of the two projects. But I loved him because he would have these conferences and he would always end with an outreach, you know, because a lot of times we go to these conferences and we get so filled up. It's like a fire hydrant. You're just getting all this awesome stuff and you go home and you're spiritually full. But he loved to give it out at the end. And so we went, we, we had this conference, and he tells me this story where he went out to the streets, and he found this homeless man, and, and he just said, man, the glory of God is coming to the streets of Nashville. And he realized what he said. He was like, well, that's kind of cheesy and corny, but he said it. And so the homeless man looks at him like, man, who's this crazy guy? And the pastor says it again. He's like, man, do you believe that the glory of God's coming to Nashville? And the homeless man looks up like, okay. He's starting to understand the question, and the pastor asks one more time, do you believe that the presence and the glory of God is coming to the city of Nashville? And the homeless man looks up at him, and he says, yeah, I believe it if God's people show up. You guys, there is a city out here who is waiting for us just to show up and to say yes. We have family members. We have coworkers. We have people in our schools, even people maybe at gas stations and restaurants that are waiting for us to show up and to say yes. You know, what does it look like to show up and say yes? Man, some, sometimes it looks like passing out cases of water bottles to our city. 
You know, sometimes it looks like just coming to church and just showing up and being there for maybe yourself or maybe bringing someone with you, bringing your one. Maybe it means just being kind. Dude, be kind and loving our community. It, it can look so many different ways, but at the end of the, uh, the day, it's loving God and it's loving people. And maybe today you say, you know what? Today's my day where I showed up. Maybe someone invited you today to come to church. Maybe you're visiting and you're here on Thanksgiving weekend and you showed, showed up and you're hearing these stories and you say, you know what? I want to say yes to Jesus today. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, I want to pray for you in just a second. And maybe you're in a different category where maybe you've been living for God maybe for a couple weeks like myself. Maybe it's a couple years. Maybe it's a couple decades. And you say, you know what? I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want him to fill this vessel with his power so that I can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. So I can lay hands. You know how I, start, I started praying for myself. I'm sick. Let me just pray for myself to see if this works. You, you know, God wants to fill us with his power. And so if you want that, can we all just stand up right now? I believe God wants to deposit something. And if nobody can leave yet, if you could just stay put for just two minutes, I just want to pray because I want to pray an impartation. What that means is a deposit. I believe God wants to give us a gift right now. It's Christmas season. And I believe he wants to give us something new and fresh. And so can we just do this? Can we put our hands out? Like we're getting ready to receive something from heaven. Maybe you want to stretch them up like you're a vessel getting ready to be filled up. And I believe that God is going to show up. I'm going to say a prayer. You don't have to repeat it, but you could agree. You could say, yes, yes, I agree. Amen. So I'm going to pray right now for each and every one of us. God, I thank you that you are here right now. Your word says where two or more are gathered in your name, you are right here in our midst. And I pray for every single hand that is raised, for those who are saying yes, who are coming back to you, God, who say they want to live for you, God. I pray you will cover them with your blood. You would wash over them, God. And for all of us who have our hands up, God, who are saying we want a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit, God, that you would impart power right now and boldness right now, God, that you would reach out your hands, that when we speak out, we will know that you will put your words in our mouth, God. I come against any fear from being able to step out and to reach our city and to reach our friends and to reach our family. And I pray right now you would fill each and every one of us from the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet, God, the same way you fill Tony Mendoza, God, the same way you fill your apostles, God, the same way you fill your disciples who turn this world upside down. Fill us up right now, God. And we pray this in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen.